Dr. Amalia Gonyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today for our series on women in the judiciary is Judge Kwele from the Mpumalanga Division of the High Court. Welcome to the show, Judge Kwele. It's a pleasure to have you on the air. Uh, Good morning, listeners, and good morning to you. Uh, I am so honored to be on the on the interview today, and thank you so much. My pleasure. To start with, did you always envisage a legal career and eventually being part of the judiciary? Not at all. I have to explain this a little bit. Yes, please do. Yes. Coming from a rural village called Komo Komo, I did not at all have a vision of going to the university. Initially, I thought I would become a switchboard operator during those times, those olden days. But my principal, Mr. Sokobela then, and the teachers at school uh, called me to a meeting where they asked me what I was going to do after matric, and I told them about the switchboard operator, operator thing, and they immediately started the thought and made me feel to fill the forms to go to a university. And also caused me to apply for a bursary because my mother didn't have means to pay for my, my schooling. My mother was not working at that particular time. So when we were filling those forms, I opted for social worker. I thought that I would do social worker. But when I arrived at the university, fortunately, I did, could not register timelessly. And when I, uh, I found that I couldn't register for social worker, the, the other students who were from the same school with me just influenced me and said I should do law. And that's how I started doing law. I think it's a, a lesson of the type of elements that young people are exposed to in terms of the, the opportunities and the horizons. If you're never exposed to opportunities of law, of having the funding yes. to proceed, it's not even part of your consideration. Yes, yes, you are right. During the olden days, we did not even have, I remember we didn't have any career guidance thing at school at all. So even law was not even in my thoughts. Having started that journey, can you take us through some of the milestones on your way to becoming judge of the Mpumalanga Division of the High Court? Yes. After graduating from the university, I was forced to go and work. I wanted to continue, but I was forced to go and work because I did not have money. But then the bursary that I was awarded wanted me to either pay them the amount or serve them. So I had to opt for working for them. So I started as a prosecutor at the magistrate court. And then I also became a control prosecutor thereafter. Immediately after that, I think within two years, I was appointed as a magistrate. And once I was appointed as a magistrate, I was also requested to head the office of the magistrate. 
And here I have to mention that I was very reluctant to take that position as acting head because there were other senior officials who, in my view, were supposed to be taking that position, but they said, no, I have to take it. So I also had to be transferred to Pampirstadt Magistrate Office where I was head of office. And at that same time, I was also requested to also head an office at Khanyesa, which was about 200 kilometers from where I stayed, because the magistrate there was demoted, the office was having a problem. So I was heading two offices at the same time. And I then was also requested later to go to Magistrate Uppington, where I became a senior magistrate, and it was during those era when the democracy started because they wanted to transform this office. It's a, it's a white-dominated office, so I had to go there to effect transformation there. And later, because I saw that I have done all the feats, prosecuting, being a magistrate, being the head of office, I, I wanted something different. Then I opted to go to Justice College which was a college that was training magistrates. So I then became a trainer for magistrates. And whilst there, I also applied for a senior post, a regional court post. But whilst there, I then, uh, there was this course, fast-tracking of women to, to become judges. I applied for it. Fortunately, I was selected to participate and then I participated, I did well. I was then called as an acting judge and a judge of the High Court in Northwest and now in Bumalang. Having gone through that journey, there must have been some significant cases during your, your career. Can you tell us about a couple that have stayed with you the most? Uh, the one that I did when I was still at Justice College because I was roped in to come and help in that famous case, the Nkuna case. That is where a young girl in Temba was killed and the body could not be found. And it stayed with me because at that particular time I was lecturing in evidence. So dealing with a case where the body could not be found entails a lot of dealing with the evidential part of the hearing and its stage, but more particularly because that case was one of the gender-based violence stage with me. The other one that I can mention is a case, again, of a gender-based violence, uh, where this gentleman around Mafiken there raped and killed this young girl. But what stood out for me, or what stayed for me, is that during the rape, immediately after raping, he then inserted a rib inside the vagina, which was long and even protruded outside the vagina. But when the paramedics found this lady, they then took her to the hospital while she was still alive. Unfortunately, it appears that the reed caused more damage to the inside part of the woman's body. So as a result, this woman stayed for about, I think, two months in the hospital, very ill, and 
he died, I think, a painful death because the whole body became um, toxic. You know, in my own view, that was a very painful... Imagine this woman having experienced the rape and then having now uh, uh, experiencing this for the whole two months. She suffered quite a long time. The last one that perhaps I can mention is another one uh, of Geraldine Lakey, where this, the, 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 the perpetrator here in state was a woman. This woman educator had a love affair with a young boy in a high school. She came up with a defense that she did not know that the young boy was still a minor. It was an appeal before us, and I upheld the appeal, and I also confirmed the custodial sentence. So this is one of the cases where even a woman you know, has, you, we, had, we had no choice but to apply the law and felt that the conduct is unbecoming and then he deserves a custodial sentence. South Africa seems to be plagued so, with sexual violence, listening to all three of the cases that you've reflected on. One of the things that we've noticed, or let, let's say from a, a media point of view, is that there's a lot of talk that there's been an increase in gender-based violence, uh, particularly against women during our national lockdowns. How are you finding that within the court structures? Unfortunately, at the moment, being in the high court, those cases are mostly dealt with in the regional court. But as you say from the media, you can see that they are increasingly coming through, which is unfortunate. And I am of the view that then as, as women and even men, including men this time around, we have to find new strategies to deal with this. And even to think about how we can um, deal with it in this COVID area also, new strategies perhaps. Well, clearly our, our current strategies haven't been working um, across the board, unfortunately. So I, I do hope that during our COVID era that maybe we can come up with some better solutions. Yes. Judge Huele. When we were talking earlier, you mentioned that on your route to becoming a judge, that you had participated in a program which was about fast-tracking women to becoming judges. And as our program is all about gender equality, which is increasingly a global focus, I know that in your career between 2014 to 2018, you served as president of the South African chapter of the International Association of Women Judges. Please, can you tell us more about this organization? We call it a South African chapter of the International Association of Judges because it is affiliated to the mother body, which is the International Association of Women Judges in the United States in Washington. So this is the chapter in South Africa. We established it and the memberships, membership are mainly magistrates and judges, but we do accept advocates and even attorneys 
but we call them as friends of the chapters. The membership of this association uh, accept both male and female magistrates, judges, or advocates, or attorneys. Currently, I think because when I left, the, when I stopped becoming a president in 2018, membership were plus minus 350, and I know it has increased. So I may safely say it is around 400 um, members. The main objective of, of this association is to promote capacity building and judicial leadership amongst women in the judiciary and also to contribute towards ensuring equal justice for all South Africans. We also envisage a society that respects and upholds the human rights of women and seeks to actively promote women participation, advancement and leadership within the judiciary. But a further objective of this chapter is to proactively support campaigns and programs that shift stereotypical attitudes premised on race, class, and sexual orientation, and to promote social justice and cohesion. We also seek to redress the scourge of sexual and gender-based violence perpetrated against women, children, and other vulnerable groups. I may say that the chapter amongst the programs that they do uh, the following, we, ha we are having a JEP program, JEP program, in full it's called a Jurisprudence of Equality program. This program focuses on judgment writing, especially for our members, and even we also even sometimes engage international uh, partners. We also have a series of legal and judgment writing program which we offer in a form of workshop which is designed to strengthen the capacity of judicial officers in the country. We also have a, a, a human trafficking combating program. We also have a mentoring program for judicial officers. We also do have programs that we call a family dialogue center where we talk, we, 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 we engage the legal practitioners, the judicial officers, and all other stakeholders that are in the field of the family law where we talk to, to the communities. And our flagship program, again, is one that we called a mentoring of university students. Currently, when I left uh, the presidency, it was done almost, we had a huge program in, in, in Gauteng province, Northwest province, Free State province, Western Cape province, and even KZN, to mention a few. 
the other provinces were still coming, but here we had a, a huge number of students that we were mentoring. We also have a program where we officiate at moot courts for law students. We are also engaged in exchange visits to other countries like Malawi. We visited Kenya to go and showcase what we are doing and also learn from them what they are doing because they are also having the, almost the same chapters which are affiliated to the mother body, IAWJ. And if I can mention a few like in, 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 in another, uh, other pro- programs, the housing program has launched a very big program where they are dealing with a sexual and gender-based violence. And we also have other social responsibility and outreach programs, for example. Uh, there are other provinces that do, that visit the prisons, where especially women are incarcerated. Uh, we also have outreach initiative focusing on support and mentorship of young girls, between, especially between 13 to 16 years, grade 12 learners and university students, as I've already said. And we also have campaigns which are dealing with HIV and AIDS. We also have a program that deals with health and wellness support for judicial officers. And the Houghton province also did an outreach program that deals with older persons. It sounds extensive in terms of the different programs that you're doing, incredible diversity, looking at a multifactorial approach and addressing capacity building in a significant way. Do you see these types of almost programs or instruments as being tools to help increase the number of female judges in the country? Yes, we do. I know that there are quite a number of women that have been appointed as judges because of our association. I know that there is a num- there are a number of women that were appointed to the higher positions, like in the Supreme Court of Appeal. I can mention a few in the Supreme Court of Appeal, Justice Mutumi, Justice Mulimela, uh, Justice, um, there are a number of them, My, the names doesn't come quickly. But for information, Justice Mandisa, who is the president of the Supreme Court of Appeal, with the association. Justice Sirona, who was appointed at the Concord, to mention a few, they are, in fact, they are a lot. And I'm not only looking at the women that were appointed as judges, but if you look at the magistracy side, there are a number of women who are our members who participate in these programs that were elevated to senior positions. A recent appointment was the regional court president of Northwest by the name of Buyo Nontenbu, who, uh, uh, who served in various committees in the association. 
I'm just mentioning a few a lot. It it must be so rewarding to see the fruits coming out of this type of, of program where you're really seeing the tangible results with women moving up through the system. And we know across every sphere of society that women have struggled to achieve equality. Thinking back on the progress that we as society have achieved in recent decades, I always think that our history defines our present, but our, our actions today are what is going to direct our future. Given that we're about to go into Women's Month, in your opinion, what areas do you think we need to build on the most to benefit women optimally in the future? Firstly, I'd like the, to say that the, to stress the very same uh, issue about leadership. I think we need to build a pool of leadership. But and this time, I'm not only talking about the judiciary. I mean, in all the spheres of the government, in the poli- in in the judiciary, politically, and even in the private sphere. And I mean, also think that we need to concentrate much on mentoring. Another area that I think that we need to look at is economic emancipation of women. And I think the last one that we need to increase on is what we had already talked about, uh, coming up with new strategies of dealing with gender-based violence because, as you know, it's becoming now a pandemic also. When I think about the points that you've just mentioned from a leadership and mentoring perspective, that really puts women in the public eye. It it provides an opportunity, thinking on the leadership level, that they are visible, that people can see them, that people understand what women are capable of doing. And then equally so on the mentoring side, I always consider that's a way of being able to give back to younger women, to help nurture them so that they don't have to necessarily walk the journey that our leaders have taken, but they can almost bounce off of, I mean, there's that great expression where they say standing on the shoulders of giants. And I, I see that as the opportunity of mentoring. Hi, this is Lyra, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to Judge Huele from the Mpumalanga Division of the High Court. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In the previous section of our conversation, Judge Huele spoke about poignant moments in her career. She also focused on the South African chapter of the International Association of Women Judges and relayed some of her views in terms of what we could do to benefit women in the future from a point of leadership within the judiciary, within public office, as well as in the private sector, promoting economic emancipation and also looking at developing new strategies of dealing with gender-based violence, which is increasingly becoming a pandemic in South Africa. 
Judge Huele, one of the questions that I ask all my guests on this program who've made tremendous achievements in their respective fields of expertise is about some of the factors that they consider have contributed to their success. Some people speak about perseverance. Some people talk about a particular person in their life. Could you please share with us what you consider to be some of the, the factors that have contributed to your success? I think in addition to being a hard worker and being able to persevere when it is difficult, I think the most important thing that pushed me is that I am a self-driven person. I, I think I can also mention the fact that I'm, I'm patient and I am a good listener. We can certainly see your self-driven qualities for anybody, in my opinion, who studied through the University of South Africa, which I think is a phenomenal institution, being a, a distance learning facility, which allows you to work and study at the same time. But there you attained both your LLB as well as LLM. Staying with your personal components for a moment, can you tell us who've been some of the strong women in your life? Justice Mutsumi, who is at the Supreme Court of Appeal. Advocate Managa, who is at the Johannesburg Bar. Advocate Joyce Maluleke, who worked, he's a gender activist. He started working at the Department of Justice and was uh, heading the gender directorate there. And he also worked at the Department of Women. She is now an advocate, but I think she is also going back to assist the Department of Women, Youth, and People with Disabilities as from 1st of August as the DG there. And also Justice Mandisamaya, who is at the Supreme Court of Appeal. And lastly, Advocate Kuni Ditira, who is at the Free State Office of the Premier. All phenomenal women. We've had the, the privilege of, of interviewing Advocate Maluleka as well as, as Justice Maya on, on our program. It's nice to hear their oh. names again. Yes. And thinking back to some of the pivotal moments in your life growing up, what would you say has, has shaped you into becoming the person you are today? I think the first story about how I went to university, where my principal was the one who probably managed to see the capabilities that were in me. And immediately after having attended the first year of university, the bursary didn't pay, so I had to go and stay home again without money. And I have to look for peace jobs. One of the peace jobs that I got was, again, from my principal, who took me back at that very same school where I attended and I had to do private teaching during that old days. And the little money that I earned that particular time, which was even, I think, around 180, I had to save it because I was owing at school. 
the an hours. Also, if I wanted to go back the next year, I had to register. I did not have a thousand rand. It was a thousand rand to register because uh, my mother was not working. So definitely, I think that story, that, that process opened my eyes because I could not have been where I am today. And another one that I can talk about it's when I attended that first tracking of women to the bench. Because definitely it gave me a springboard and confidence that I can be able to be a judge. And now the last one that I can talk about is becoming a president of the chapter. I did not want to become one. I did not apply. I did not, nobody even nominated in. I was just pushed in at that particular probe, uh, time, but I managed and I was able to showcase the leadership skills that I had learned when I was a magistrate during those years. All those examples really speak to your, your tenacity and your, your self-driven motivation qualities. What would you say has been the best lesson that you've learned during your career? best lesson that I had learned throughout the career is that I had gained the necessary knowledge and the understanding to appreciate the perspective of other people in their different circumstances. That's such a significant life lesson. Yes. And I didn't mention in as far as the chapter. Uh, currently, we are establishing a trust. We have established it, but we are still at the preparation stage, a trust that will be solely responsible for the training of women. I'm saying this because that program of the fast-tracking of women stopped. It's no longer there. But we saw that it was significant in advancing a few women and quickly so to the bench because after that program, about 10 of us were immediately appointed to the bench. But it stopped probably because of lack of money. And some other, there were also other opinions that why women, why should it be only for women? But personally, I'm saying... Why can't we be bold and biased and, and, and concentrate on women at this era so that the transformation, especially of the judiciary, and can be fast-tracked? So we are establishing a trust where we are going to revive the, that particular kind of a program because we saw the importance of it. And now this time around, we are not only going to concentrate on women who are in the judiciary because we are also including the legal fraternity as a whole we will include the attorneys we will include uh, uh, the, the, the the advocates we will also look at some students there are various programs that we have suggested i don't want to waste your time but i thought i should mention this yes it sounds like it's a very empowering component to fast-track women. And indeed, why not? 
have a program that's dedicated exclusively to women. I I recall having um, in our conversation with the ambassador of Australia and she shared a story where uh, in one of the the, the towns or, or provinces in Australia, they had seen from a police perspective that there weren't enough women coming into the force. So what they did was they said, we are actually not taking in any men into this particular intake. It's exclusively women because otherwise the, the gender ratio and balance just will never be achieved. We cannot uh, achieve the redress that we want, uh, actually. And now why are we establishing a trust? Because the problem is that we don't have funds in the association. Much as we are judicial officers that are active, we can't be actively be seen to be looking for donations. It compromises our judicial independence. So through a trust, it will be better, and then we'll be able to get donor funding through the trust, and then be able to deal with, uh, uh, to, to pay for women who have been trained and all those kinds of things so that we can achieve what we want faster this time around. We wish you all the very best for establishing that trust and that it can continue to develop uh, the good work that it's doing in terms of empowering women within the entire judicial value chain. And lastly, Judge Kwele, as we close out our conversation today, could you share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to women in Africa that are listening to us today? I think as women, we have a duty to break and eliminate all the barriers limits our empowerment as women. We can only manage by building bridges amongst ourselves so that we can overcome this. But we should also not forget to also build bridges with our male allies because they are very, very, very important. I think we should also not forget to take others by the hand. And that's how we can win. I think that offers both a component of inspiration as well as practical significance on cementing relationships between other women and building those bridges with our male counterparts. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the air. It's really an honor for me on my side also to be invited to participate on this program, which is envisaged for the Women's Month and West because we are not going to have conferences. We we usually have annual conferences where we talk about these women issues. But this year around, unfortunately, because of COVID, we are not going to have a conference. But thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you on the air. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Judge Huele from the Mpumalanga Division of the High Court.